Thank you for joining us on Corner of the Clubhouse. I'm Kyle Blanks, and on this episode, I'm joined once again by Jay Schiffman. Jay is a vulnerable storyteller, a stigma-destroying speaker, as well as the host of the Choose Your Struggle podcast, and you can find him at jayschiffman.com. Corner of the Clubhouse is proud to be part of the Shameless Podcast Network. And thank you again for joining us back on Corner of the Clubhouse. I am back with my uh, personally proclaimed uh, when I need him, co-host Jay Schiffman, who is the uh, is the uh, gentleman who's helped me learn actually how to really do this, and is the uh, runs his own podcast called Choose Your Struggle. Uh, thank you again for joining us, Jay. Dude, always happy to be here, and and, and I will say the one thing I'll add on onto that is that you have done me the unbelievable honor of joining the network, which. Uh, is growing and we've got a couple more shows coming but you will forever and always be the first person besides me on the network and i i greatly appreciate that that is the shameless podcast network everyone so uh i i appreciate being brought into the fold uh simply because the goal of all of these of of this uh shameless podcast network at its core is genuinely to uh educate and advocate for the individual um and and what uh, we all individually require to uh, kind of find our happiness. Yeah, uh, well put. Well, and I, th- and I think a big part of that is communication. That is, I'm learning one of the most difficult parts of um, of actually getting to that next step for most people because it is very uncomfortable to deal with uh, the the truth in many even simple aspects and. Um, you know, I think that's that's kind of why, like, like on this podcast, the tr- the truth I express is definitely just through my perspective, but it it probably doesn't feel very good for a lot of people to hear that this game may not be what you thought, and that's just simply up to what are you trying to get out of this. Well, and I think that I know you know this, but you're you're trying to do a thing that's very difficult already, and that is, as you can speak to from experience get guys who are focused on something else to, to stop and talk to talk to someone that even though you are their buddy and you, you, you are not the quote unquote media, you're doing a thing that is asking them to be open. And I guess I want to give you validation here. You know, this is something that every podcast host struggles with. I, I pick my moments and or, or I pick my targets, I think pretty well, but even my success rate is only about 80%. And, and I was listening to a podcast literally just before we got on here uh, it was with the, the Reds reporter, uh, Jim Day, was talking to former Red Sean Casey. And Casey now is a podcast. And he was saying the hardest thing for him was he was calling guys that were still playing, that are still playing that he played with, and they were telling him no. And, and he had to get over his own ego and be like, it's not about me. These guys are doing other things. And, you know, but that doesn't make it easy. Uh, being told no is a thing that our brains just don't like. And so, you know, you are doing a thing that is very difficult. And I, and I give you credit for, for not being, uh, you know, defeatist and not saying, well, I'm going to throw in the towel because you're getting a bunch. That is something that I think a lot of people would do in your shoes. And, and, you know, I think the, what I've really come to understand the reason it is difficult to get that traction is you have to deal with the fact they, they are scared because of what may come out of this. Like, and that's what ends truly where I, you know, like the reason I started this is I really think it's it's awesome that you can actually have a connection to people with words. You can actually get through to people sometimes if you can turn a, turn a phrase they can understand, if you can speak someone's language. And I think that was what I really have learned mostly from this is not everyone is willing to just openly uh, have everybody know what they do. And some of that is very understandable. You know, I, I am just like anyone else, and I, I really appreciate my anonymity and my privacy. And um, that is, I think, just once again in competition with two, um, you, depending on, you know, what you're going to talk about, you genuinely become the media. You know, you you become something that, well, I don't want to say this because anything I say has opposition. There's not a single... Um, you know, viewpoint that seems to not uh, hit some degree of friction along the way. And that's kind of where, like, even for me, I've, I've learned for myself, I just don't know. 
So the question I have for anyone in front of me is how do you know? I want you to explain it to me and walk me through it because if you can and it makes sense, I will there's a really good chance I I can change very quickly because uh, you are you're providing a very practical application for whatever it is we're talking about. And that's that's the thing of um, kind of uh, baseball wise like uh, you know we had just previously touched on was you know the difference of what the fan sees is because of, of what is being um, kind of behind the scenes pushed for like this is what the general consensus is that everybody wants right you know that's that's what the game of baseball is meant to be this is this is the fan experience this is for everybody and you know that's that's where you see um, as the fan, the style of the game on the field is influenced by, let's say, uh, behind the scenes, what is going to make most, what makes most sense amongst these, these minds that's going to win a game. And it used to be designating people who played the game to instruct and, on, uh, and develop philosophy on how to win the game. Now you're seeing all of that shifted to a lot of effort going into statistical analysis. And now we're preaching mechanics to help us provide these statistics on the backside of that. You know, swing like this, it'll go like this. Throw like this, it'll be this fast. That's, that's where you start to see, and I, and I asked uh, a friend of mine who's still playing, I was like, it would only make sense that that's how you would try and win if you've never played. You'd have to you'd have to be using something you thought someone else didn't know, and that's why the same statistic baseball provides the exact same statistics for everybody, but how you want to see them and how you think they're going to apply is what's going to develop your philosophy. And if you don't know how to play the game, you'd probably bank on a lot of random markers to help you with that. So one thing that you and I talked about briefly before we, we, we jumped on here was how the game has changed. And I know that you uh, were, were in a position to see something that I think when, when people think of stats in, in baseball, most people think of Moneyball, and you saw Moneyball firsthand. You, were, you played for Oakland. I, I guess the question would be put yourself from as a person who, who – played in a system that was trying to be mirrored by every other team in baseball was in a, a best-selling book, a best-selling movie, you know, uh, was it put yourself in the shoes of the guys today and sort of compare your experience uh, as, as a, as a money ball player to, to playing in this, in this environment today. So I would paraphrase, um, I'll paraphrase it just very simply in all those aspects, but but um, you know even prior to Oakland being with San Diego, internally our system was built the same way as their system because we had uh, uh, let's say brass move from one one side of the, one one band to another. So sure, um, you know I went through a handful of those changes as well, and what I would kind of um, in a nutshell. As a player, Moneyball values on base, on base, on base. It doesn't take into account what you are when you're on base. That's, that's the objective nature of a statistic. It's just preaching being on base. So whether you're a speedster or whether you're a clogger, being on base equates to better. And I wouldn't say win, like wins, yeah, you know, wins. It's like when you pick a single marker to win on, you see a, you see a bunch of ways you lost. So that's kind of a lot of why picking mechanical philosophy, if you don't have the people who can express any dynamic outside of that, you're going to see how well you succeed at doing this. There's no dynamic. So now back to the Moneyball thing, when your goal is to get on base as a hitter, let's say this, my goal is, is at any cost, I would prefer not to strike out. My goal is always to put the ball in play and taking a walk is a very good thing. Now, the reason you will see a different dynamic come from, you know, across the games is because 
you're not teaching any philosophy beyond being the best player you can be respectively should yield you the stats we're looking for when you impl- implement the fact that, you know, when you look for the right pitch. like, And that's where it requires very good coaches to be able to help uh, process that that down even farther because they're the ones who are with you all year. So having a really good hitting coach, you know, let's, let's say this. This was a statistic we used to keep. First pitch swing average. That doesn't have any dictation on your actual average. It's simply your first pitch swing average. So if you swing at the first pitch and you miss it, that is you are hitting zero. If you hit the next pitch out of the park, your first pitch swing average is still zero. So it, it, there's a hole to it, but otherwise it's statistically just saying if you swing at this at the first pitch – Every time, this is what your average is, you know, basically projected to be. Now, if you're teaching someone an angle to do that at, it's probably going to change those chances. If you're teaching them to do it the best way they can, it's once again going to have an entirely different influence. And that's that's the difference of what I learned under was there's you're this type of hitter. Like I was, I had that talk today. Like I. I was in systems that you still like striking out a hundred times in the minor leagues was very not good. Like you're as a player in your head, I can't let that happen. And in the minors, I did a pretty good job at keeping that number in check. But a lot of it was because of the philosophy I learned under the game. Like it was a fearful stat because putting the ball in play. And this is the, I think the short sight of, of, playing the, that game is putting the ball in play can can net you a far greater outcome for the team and most of the time it will not have that same benefit to the individual statistically that's that's why that those statistics from the perspective of someone who hasn't played doesn't value just putting the ball in play not striking out because they could have turned to double play, but now the ball's in left field, da, 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 whatever that is. That's, that's the difference of playing under a uh, you know, uh, conceptual philosophy because we're gonna, our goal is to do this. We're, we're all going to go in the cage and do the work we need to do respectively to get there, but that, you know, that's why you would see guys set the table. That's why you would see the batting order be the way it was because of of the game you're playing and that's and that's truly what i would say to any fan you would if you really are that uh in tune with with how the you know just how the uh kind of ants are moving around on the field if you're just looking at it like a, a pattern you will see that it like shifting i remember seeing shifts start and it was just like all right well you're not in the place where i usually hit the ball so i'm getting a lot more hits like the ball just right to the shortstop where you're so far in the hole now, that's a knock for me. And that's, that's I think, when you start to see, like, that's a statistical thing. Like, that's, it's probably over the course of everybody going to hold fairly true, but it's going to have a very big blind spot in it when you, come, when you play against a team that knows how to play uh, from a conceptual standpoint. I'm going to do my best to hit the ball over there. And as a professional, you get to the point of having a very big point of pride of actually being able to do those things, but it's because you work your ass off at them and you actually try to do them in the game. And even, even when you do them well or bad, the best anyone's ever really done in that game is failing, still failing over, over 60%. Like, so the way I've just, I chose to kind of absorb looking at the game over time, because I fought it a lot, but, but re- realistically like it's why i clashed with people who didn't understand the on its feet concept because you have never been in this situation on its feet it's why you would say something that just may not apply because you don't know and that's that's hard to that's hard to take when it's your job and i'm supposed to listen to you but that's that that's where the clash becomes like you could easily find guys who understand this and have played to some degree but they may not be as good with the numbers, just simply numbers. And that's the, that's the part of, like, 
like you can't teach feel you, you it, like if you don't understand how to develop it you'll never be able to get anyone else to to kind of get that out of them so then do you do you wish that you had an opportunity to, to play in, in today's game would today's game be better for your strength um i don't I don't think so. I mean, I'm not trying to do those things. So, like, my once again, my stats, because of the way I would choose to approach the game, at their best would only look a certain way. Like, I never was trying to trade homers for RBI. Like, I was never trying to trade a stat for one that I like. Like, you know, let's say doubles were one thing I learned that, you know, you can – if you're – someone my size is going to have difficulty stacking triples. So sometimes it makes sense to just like, okay, this is either maybe a triple I might get thrown out, or this is for sure a double, and if something happens, I'll be aware and I can get to third. You know, so like it, it's it's an interesting thing. Once again, stacking homers takes fucking hitting homers, but like <laughs> like st- like there are some you know there and there are some residual stats like singles are fucking great because you're putting the ball in play. So it's. It's just about, like I said, the statistics being subjective. There are some statistical figures over the course of a season that, that can't be objective. Like more hits is more games played, you know, is, is where you would have to start. It's a spectrum. Like if there's this many games played, you know, this many games, you're always going to have to make those adjustments. But stats can't be subject. Like one guy can't hit a soft 250 and another guy crush fucking, you know, 245. Like – it, it can't be based on who's writing it. That's, that's the part of, as the player, you, you know the reality of what you're dealing with. And that's the thing of like from, you know, your mom's always going to be forgiving, you know, probably the most forgiving. But other, outside of that, nobody cares. And that's the hard part to absorb is the reality of, like, that's why I, I was always, for, through injury, always put in those little, uh, capsules of time to really think about this shit and it was just a like you know the goal was always to find you know how do you like if you're just happy it feels like you're playing the game you always wanted to play but when you're not and that's the thing it takes focusing it is very difficult to focus on the right aspects because you're constantly being told that the aspects you're focusing on aren't the right ones and that's from all parts of your life so it's like you know once again how many people in the stands yell something thinking I'm hearing you and going to do that you know and it's sometimes I would hope very few but how I mean but in reality how many people are still doing it like just just the word the words like you know so it's not that it's not to infer that somebody's telling me how to do it but if I don't do it right they're definitely going to fucking tell me how I fucked it up right but yeah, but so let me ask you about that because that's really interesting. When I hear somebody yell from the stand, I think that guy's an idiot. But I don't actually think, in this idiot's mind, he thinks that like you. You and I were talking about Joey Votto earlier, one of the best players on the planet. Like I don't think he actually thinks Joey Votto is going to hear him and go, "Oh, I should hit the ball." Oh, okay, good. So, I, I can't say everybody. I agree with you. That figure is is one of the people in the spectrum. But when you have a game and you can you can clearly like I played in places where you can hear everything. Like there's not a ton of people here. I'm on defense close enough to see who is saying what. You know, so it's like if after the game I hear it again, like, oh nice, good game. You should have did this. It's like Ugh, okay. I, I, I thank you. Like I you know, thank you. I thank you for coming or whatever. It's like I have nothing to tell you. And it's simply because you your enthusiasm for wanting to see the right thing or wanting to see what you want to see, the reality is I I'm trying to do exactly what it is you're probably asking me if you're on my side. It's just very fucking difficult. Even when you look at the best guys, they suck in the grand scheme of their entire plate appearance to hits. Like, the failure is exceptionally high, beyond any other the acceptance of any other failure in any other sport. But that's it's a difference of, it's one of the few games I imagine still that the offense is, you, you don't have the ball on offense. You know, so... And 
And, and, but, but like, so I, I definitely hear you on the negatives, but like, you know, if, if I'm the guy in the stands that's like, you know, yelling positives, does that drown it out? Or, or because our brains mostly focus on the negatives, thinking back to your career, were you like, nah, man, I heard every single one of those boos, every single one of those negative words. You can, I mean, the negativity sticks out because it's just, I mean, it's, it's like a crowd of people yelling stuff. If they're not all yelling the same thing, you can discern quite a bit. So once again, it, in, in, a, in a perfect world, like I've played in places as a visitor where it was awesome. And that's how it should be. Like if we get our asses kicked, it should get louder. But if we make a good play, there's actually cheering. It's pretty neat. Like, but that's, that's because those people appreciate the game, whether we had numbers and names on any of these jerseys. And, and that's, that's, that is a, um, I can say I experienced that at a handful of places, but it, it appears more of a, like, you know, it's like I could go watch a baseball game for free any day, any Saturday during a baseball season. Like, I just got to go to find a baseball field. I just got to drive by a baseball field. Like I can, I can watch this game be played for nothing and enjoyed for nothing. That's, that's where baseball became very amazing to me again when I went to Oakland was this was like, this is like playing summer ball again, because there's not a focus on the things nobody understands. They just give you space and let you fucking be a goon. Like it is a very, it was a very unique capsulated experience because the rest of my career was not like that. Like I didn't like, and that's, and that's because going to Texas, Texas is a different place. You know, that bubble changes, like what, you know, what that bubble allows and wants and, and is okay with changes. And that's that's an interesting thing of, like, I'm playing the same game and I'm having to make adjustments every fucking day. And that's not even counting the game adjustments. That's counting, like, different states, different cities, different, like, different people wanting me to fail because they like their team better. You know, and that's – and I it's like I understand that side of sports. I've just never been someone who goes to a game and, like – you know, rip his head off. Like I'm not, I'm, I'm not a, I am not the like Frank the Tank fan of what I'm in front of, and it's because I just want to see awesome out of this. Like, there's a good chance at one point in my life, whatever I'm watching, I've probably been able to do to some reasonable degree. It doesn't have to be professional, but like, I can pick shit up and and do it fairly well. That's why it's cool to see, like, man, I can, you know, I can, I know how to play basketball, but it's fun to watch people fucking work their ass off at basketball, you know, who are physically inclined in that direction and who really, I give a fuck what is on their shirt. I hate seeing bad basketball. Like, same thing like hate, hate watching bad baseball. I hated playing bad baseball. Same with the guys on the field. We all fucking hate playing bad baseball, but that's that you play so much of it, you're bound to suck sometimes. And it sucks to watch, but that's that's what somebody who really enjoys watching baseball understands. Like I'm rolling the dice because this is game eighty of one forty four or one sixty two. Like, you know, and and that's the hard part to express to people. Like the the difficulty. Like when I look back, I don't know how the fuck I did a lot of that shit. Like I worked at, in the off season, I'd work out for three hours in the morning. I'd go hit for two hours, and then I'd do whatever else the rest of the day. Like like nothing like driving a car like literally like getting behind the wheel and just i just got to do these things. i just got to go this way and I'll, I'll i'll get where i'm going you know and now it's like that looks like the most ridiculous fucking road there's no way there's no way i'm taking that and it's and it's and it's because it does take quite a bit of that but when that's like what your focus is and you physically have um the ability like any anybody who gets through that door has the potential to play at that level you have something worth it it's mostly going to be what what uh mental boxes do you put yourself in along the way that keep you from uh evolving or progressing as a player so then let's i think that's a great pivot because you know just as someone who is not only on the show right now with you but listen uh your love of this game does come out at times so Two-part two question here, and I also, by the way, I want to answer this one as well. 
Mm-hmm. So, uh, but first, you know, you are the one who played professional. Uh, what is your favorite moment in baseball as a professional player and then just overall? So, um, I'd say as a professional player, um, just a as a as a moment, maybe um, statistically, I would say just any time I did something good when I got to Oakland, um, uh, there was a very unique energy there, and it was mostly because I was actually physically healthy enough to play on a team that happened to be in first. Like in 2010, when I was with San Diego and we had that opportunity, it wasn't. Uh, um, I I wasn't really I wasn't playing. You know, I got hurt very quickly and basically had to watch it all and uh, didn't really get to enjoy that ride the same way as well as, you know, you fast forward a hand, uh, four years from that point, I I was able to enjoy it differently because at the, that point I had that much more time in the game um, just that other people observe as, you know, it's, it is some mileage that does get uh, a different degree of respect when you when you have it on. And I think that um, being an Oakland man was very like the energy of of going down to like like having what would consensus be some of the worst facilities to play in as a player, and having some of the greatest experiences as a person. That was very unique to that environment. Like and and also some of the craziest shit. Like you know, um, just fan fan things like one of you know some. <laughs> someone's family member was was you know dealt with a rough encounter you know just being a fan there it was just it was an interesting environment but i will say the good the just um i did hit uh did hit a few home runs there i did have some some reasonable success but just the atmosphere you knew you were going into at least for me that year like i'm going out to an enjoyable game every day um because the energy in the stadium's right like and that's sometimes like if it's if it it's it's harder to say that's that's how it should be because some guys like playing on the road some guys like I just I just don't want to be yelled at for shit like just like I I love being razzed creatively like I I can't not laugh if you make a good joke but when it's just like fuck you you suck kind of shit it's like dude there's ki- like I know there's kids here man I'm the I, like I'm the only one that should be able to yell that shit loud enough and even then it's not acceptable like I know I'm not setting an example so it's like I think that was that was I got to experience such a uh, a depth of what the enjoyable side of that game could be whether you got paid for it or not and that was that was what kind of Oakland helped me realize and once again it was if I wasn't hurt all the time I would have had the potential to enjoy it differently but I think that's part of what you know it's what got me here and then I would say otherwise pre pre professional I would say um man we it, you know I would say let's say this um in reflection my high school experience because I was I was even until my senior year, I wouldn't even say I was the best on my team. And even then, it was very, obje- very subjective. Like we had, we had a lot of very good talent, and that was that was very a very unique experience to see. Like we were almost certainly looked at as the as the podunk, like poor ass kids from like shitbox um, New Mexico that most people don't know as a state. And we would play, uh, we'd win. Like it was interesting to see that. Um, you know, even through high school, through summer ball, we were basically the same team for a number of years. And to have that experience of like, I'm humbled all the time because I'm around guys that, that constantly do stuff that like, I can't just say I'd go do that and do it. I'd have to like, okay, can I do this? Like I saw them do it. You know, that, that was what was really unique then going to, um, you know, going to college and, and same thing like college was very enjoyable for me because i think that that team dynamic like um the difference of when you're paid or not is really like you're you have to develop chemistry when you're getting paid when you're not getting paid it just fucking happens and that's that's because you all share whether it's college or high school you're all sharing some type of external like toil 
you know, whether that toil is like going, being fed fucking okay every day and going to school nicely, it's still like, it's not baseball. It's not just baseball. And um, so it's like, I couldn't, I couldn't even peg it down to a single experience just because those period, those blocks of time were so impactful, I think, to having no expectations moving forward. Like, you just have to fucking do what's asked and hope it stacks up with everyone else that's being asked to do the same. And, and that's the thing is, like, it's, um, it's hard to teach. Like, you can't teach give a shit. You know, you can express many ways to show yours, but the hard part is, like, I can't say I worked harder than anybody because I didn't do their workout. You know, I didn't, I wasn't trained. I wasn't, like, it's not that I didn't do a lot of shit, but it's not, like, I, I don't know. I don't think I were, I, I, there's definitely people I would say worked harder than me, but that's just subjectively, like, they, I can see they did more of something that I think is a lot, you know, and that's, that's, that's where, you know, professionally, it was just, it, it was awesome to see how buttoned down those routines became, depend, like, depending on uh, who you were watching, you know, kind of go through it. And, you know, like, my, my routine started, like, in my last year in Sacramento, my routine started at, like, I get to the field almost, like, shortly after noon and work out almost every, as soon as I realized I wasn't playing every day, I worked out every day. Like, I'd be there just get, just, just keeping, like, a maintenance workout so I, I could feel good and look at, look how I felt, like, all right, you're, you can do enough that I don't think you'll hurt yourself. And that was, you know, having that, that capsule to play with that, you know, you, once again, though, also being hyper aware, like, man, my body is just fucking falling apart. Like I can't, I want to stand like this and swing like this, but it fucking hurts. And that's, I think that's kind of the, like the other aspect of the beauty of the game that I just can't keep from people. There is a reality that if you really try and do crazy shit in that game, you can really hurt yourself. Like, um, there's a, uh, uh, surgery or there's a um, condition I don't know what you call it uh, thoracic outlet syndrome have you heard mm-hmm. of that have you heard of that like yeah. th- okay so thoracic outlet is basically the nerve that runs up it's like between your collarbone and your uh, something else you develop through and I asked a trainer about this I was like I was I was kind of like looking at it I looked where the nerve was I was like I was like, is this a condition you develop yourself into because you are trying to throw a certain way? Because thoracic outlet has only been really recognized. Like there's been, I know a handful of people that have had unnecessary surgeries and that was the actual ailment they dealt, they were dealing with was they developed that area of their body a specific way that was impinging on a nerve and to to correct it, you have to remove a rib to alleviate that pressure. And that was like learning some of that shit. It's like, man, you can really fuck yourself up doing some of these things. And that's not even, that's a, that's a sport where you're, you're doing more of it to yourself than like where football, where you're, you're, you're part of the damage, but like some, you know, if you're not looking and someone crushes you, you had nothing to do with that. You know, it's, it's, it's interesting to see how, how damage gets inflicted over, um, you know, the spectrum of sports and it's crazy to see, like, we all do a variable degree of something to ourselves. But, you know, so it's why some sports are known as lifetime sports and some are definitely not. Like, the longevity of some sport, like, there is a finite amount of life you can get out of some of these things. And that's, that's the thing I definitely keep in the forefront of most people. Is I, had, I was in that bubble for about 12 years. And it was just, it taught me a lot. But all I knew how to do was play baseball. I just had a few, I had relative to time, had a few instances where my physicality was taken from me and I had to basically be a living dead person. Like it doesn't like whether I can eat and drink and and do things like I I physically can't really move. Like I can't run. Uh, I probably at sometimes I can't really move my arms. You know, it depends on what the ailment is like, uh, assist I had removed I couldn't sit down without thinking about it for like 10 weeks and that was during a season and I played with a hole just at the bottom of my basically at the top of my crack like on my lower back like it was it's called a pylonidal cyst like didn't know anything about it until 3 a.m in fucking New York City and I feel like I'm dying 
and I need to go. And the only thing I don't want to do is go to an ER in New York because of what I've seen in a movie. And I hope it's not like that. <laughs> that dude, I'm, I'm dead fucking. Serious. It was terrifying. And then I got there, and it was just a like. Finally, I was given a painkiller. Finally, I was like, it was and just like I I went in that morning, and I either had the surgery that af- I think I had the surgery that afternoon. And then I was sitting on the bench the fucking following day, and I stood up, and someone's like, oh, fuck. And there's a pool of blood where I got it from sitting. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to have to go fix this if I want to sit out here. So it's just kind of like, dude, some of that shit rolled off so quickly because, like, I I know I'm not dead. I was given a time frame. So if I just keep doing these things, I'll be back in the game. Like, after having that cyst removed, I think within, like, three days I was still taking BP, like, was doing everything I could still physically be allowed to do. And that's and that's what everyone does to to a detriment. Like you're you're not your your understanding is it's making you better at the game when in reality it's it may be doing that, but it can also really be hurting your body. And we're all starting at a different place, so not all of our bodies can handle the same thing. Man, I'll tell you what. We started that question with your happiest moment and we got a good answer. And then we ended up with you in an ER in New York in a pool of blood. So that was a long way to go on that question. As long as you got to laugh about it, that's all. That's a, <laughs> there we go. Perfect. It's just it's all about just just pulling that little light out of the end. But that's that's how I got to learn all the time. It was just like you're constantly trying to like through, you know. Let's say this like from the time I wake up till the time I, I basically lay down, like whether, whether that, that perception is I'm just not going to think about it or I'm going to go home and fucking like, you know, fucking stand in the mirror and hold a bat. Like that's the thing I think that I started to understand for myself. Like I, I don't know, I know what makes me happy and it's rarely like putting all of my energy into the thought of baseball. And it's mostly because I don't have to like, I rarely, like I tell anybody who asks me, I, I paid attention to approximately a third of every game I was not playing. Like, and even then it's like, I kind of know what's going on. I might know how many outs there are. I hope I know who's starting today. Like I, I if I know I'm not playing, especially if you're hurt, it's, it's one thing too. But if you're getting a day off, like I'm preparing to, to, for an emergency, but I'm checked the fuck out, checked out. I need to disconnect from what the fuck be what the fuck I've been doing because I have to go right back in, possibly after somebody pulls something in the first inning, and now I don't have an off day. You know that's. I just had to like I I saw it from um, I saw it from a perspective of it wasn't happening to me. Then it happened to me. Then it happened. To, it's just like I was always happy to try and like express preparation for what you're doing. Because if you just happen to prepare, be willing to prepare a little bit more, you know, whatever that is. And it's, and it's, you know, once again, the honesty of like a game where you're failing all the time, sometimes your best swing of the day didn't connect with a pitch. And if you can't recognize that as, uh, you know, a, an objective, like my swing needs to be right, whether or not like I hit that ball. And if you didn't hit, and even if you tip shit, it's like if you, you know, the several foul tips, uh, arena like there's some times man where i would play a game and barely touch the ball and i'd get to the field the next day and just be like i haven't made contact with a ball in an entire span of time that typically never happens i feel like i don't know how to do it and that's i i don't i I don't know how many other people would express that directly but that shit felt there's times where i'd step in the box and one thing would go off and i would tank for maybe maybe a couple like five days and it and it's because that like i would feel it literally there's times i'd I'd step in the box i'd take a pitch and i'd just be like oh my god it's it's gone fuck like i mean no desperately no more different than someone forgetting their wallet at the register of or at the bank you know like like think of something that really meant something in that moment and you fucking forgot it like and that shit doesn't stop until you fix it. You can go get your wallet. I have to go in the cage and figure shit out. And I still have to play the rest of this game. 
Like, that has happened to me. Like, I fucked up in the first inning. Like, something happened, and now I, I just, I'm so out of sequence. And I, I have to suffer through the rest of this shit because I can't fix, I might even go in the cage as soon as I strike out and be like, what the fuck? Like, and I was very rarely someone who would do shit like that. And that, that is a, like, I would, there's guys that would, after a good at bat, go in the cage and fucking take some swings. Like, what are you doing? You know, like, and, but that's the thing is it's so subject, like, there are objective statistics. How to be the best baseball player is so fucking subjective. But being open to, I don't know how to do it, I got to be willing to try anyway. That's, that's how you see the differences of, like, I know towards the end of my career, I was working on my best swing. That's all I cared about. That's why in certain, like, instances, you'll see very, very quality small batches of my what I was figuring out. But it's still fucking not that great by a statistical standard. There's so much failure. And that's the part of it that mentally I've learned, like, let's say, you know, I wouldn't say cannabis can help with all of it, but I've heard from friends that that's, that's literally, if nothing else, it was just to help process that this isn't the end of the world. And that's a crazy thought of like, man, like, I never put that much weight into some of those things where, you know, once again, that was, that was my experience of baseball. Like, you can be humbled very quickly, so you better value the experience in front of you. And, and you know, like, I, I didn't go to all the tournaments as a kid. I didn't go to the biggest college. I didn't sign for the most money. But I, my expectations were that, like, I can accomplish something. I, I just, my outcome followed. Like, it, it was what it was. That's why I, I, my stats are marginal on paper. I'll be the first to admit that. But some of, the, some of them show something when you just take away, take away philo- like whatever philosophy you're talking about. And some of those things just make sense. Like this is how – it doesn't matter how you got to this outcome. This would be valuable in any system. And that's what the, – like in the minor leagues, I was able to accomplish that. In the big leagues, that's what you see the best of the best do. It doesn't matter what everyone else is learning. These guys know what the fuck they're doing. And it's impressive as shit. Like, I don't – I know some guys who I've seen it that couldn't give a fuck less about it. I know some guys who've done it that it is all they know and it's what they love and it defines every bit about them. And that's – there's no right or wrong to that, but that's that's what shapes the spectrum of the people playing that game. And that's that's where learning, like, for myself, like, let's say for cannab- – for, for instance, cannabis, like, learning through experience that – like, I didn't know everything this could or would do for me. I was using it as simply a, like, an unplug. Like, far more of an escape than, you know, like, like how a traditional uh, excess of alcohol would turn out. Like, it's just you're, you're, you're getting away from what it can do in favor of what it's just, if you take too much of something, this is what, it, this is what the outcome turns into. And... I think learning over a long period of time that like I'm I'm not doing anything crazy. So like this is something I'm going to hang on to when I can like and learning from like from 2014 to 2015 and then 2015 to 2017. Basically, like I really learned for myself, like man, like some of the shit I've been taking for a really long time is started. It just doesn't do anything. And even I, I didn't really have like. Uh, you know, a, a high degree of anxiety um, towards the game, but seeing how, like, I, because of the conversations I've been able to have now, I didn't realize how many guys battle that shit, like, in, in a, in a, like, debilitating way, you know, where I've, I've seen you do amazing things out there, like, things I, I won't see again, because you're you, but otherwise, it's like, why, why is it that that same sequence that made you very successful there is difficult to capture outside of that environment. And that's that does take a lot of help. And that's the hard part about, I think the hardest part for people to understand is like, it's not that, you know, I'm only a, it's basically that I, I'm learning. Like, I'm, I happen to play baseball. I'm not just a baseball player. And that's, that is the, I think the battle that most guys face is you can easily just, just go with it or, it's a, a little bit of a confrontational 
uh, experience if you don't agree with them or if you cut it short. And that's that becomes like a hard hard line to to toe in general because if you're polite, you just don't want to piss people off because it could have a blowback on you. That's the fear of like you know doing stuff like this. I don't want it to come back on me. And for me, it's like I, if if I'm objectively putting anyone else before me as often as I can, I don't know where the argument is. Like, and that's that's that you know to circle back. That's why the game doesn't always uh, value the same things over time because the people making those decisions have an influence over it. And if they haven't had any experience from top to bottom, you know, like if you taught me numbers, I could, you could plug me in anywhere in the game because now I understand what every player means to you as far as a dollar amount. But other, other than that, all I know is this is billions of dollars and goes fucking to the worst places. Well, I know that we don't have all of the time in the world. And I want to finish on a, on a very, very, very important question, which is what is coming up with Roadrunner that we should all be aware of? Well, um, I will say I've been getting a, a lot of very good feedback from you know some of the friends I still have that do still play or are still very active that, you know, against a lot of the things that they have also tried, um, you know, those, those, typical plugins um they're starting to experience that difference because you know from like what how we talk like i just preach participation like it's you're going to find out if it works or not through through trying it anyway and i think that's really where i started to put the effort into those conversations with people is i i need to give it to you i'm going to give it to you so there's no hook there is nothing no expectation tied to your money right now i just need you to do this and um, you know, I think that's something we've been um, very good with. Now it's a little easier to articulate because, you know, even for now we're, we're starting to um, try and introduce things uh, that can um, basically reach anybody if they were to walk in the store. So like a travel size muscle gel, you know, it's not the same size, same price as the others. Um, uh, the aloes new, the bath soak, a lot of this is is trying to help really educate people on on what this can be as a tool you know like for me it's for for uh, expressing something to somebody who was uh you know injured recently it was okay um you know let's say if you had if you had a perfect world this is how i would try and express this to somebody and in no particular order that's the beauty of it so let's say you know you've tried the tincture have you not i have uh tried the tincture although i will say uh that uh, not that not that this is anything but a very shameless plug for your what I think is your best product. Uh, your flower is my everyday, and the muscle gel and the uh, oh, I don't know what you call this the salve are my pretty much everyday as well. But but the flower is my, my my best friend. I go everywhere with it. Well, dude, since I have you here, how has that been for you? How has the how has the functionality been as far as a, a tool is concerned? Because that's that's a lot of what I um, really have to express to people as far as, um, you know, cannabis is, is very dynamic, but when it's dynamic because of your willingness to take something and try it multiple ways and see how you are. You know, so something like, let's say, uh, flower, the flower, the flower you have, um, I, when I basically express to people what, what the expectation for them could be is do not expect this even if you were to open it up and it looks and it smells like something familiar to you i have to express to you that it is not going to do that what, what you are expecting out of this sight and smell is almost certainly not not going to happen the way you think and that's that's where the the misunderstanding with um let's say high cbd cannabis is is how I truly have gained a function with it is I try and keep as much of it in me and on me as at all times possible. Um, you know, relative, like I'm not, I'm not applying all day, but for sure, at least multiple times a day. Um, you know, I've, I've already, I'm already at 400 milligrams of our tincture today. I'm just trying to play around and see, you know, I'm not, I'm not taking this and seeing how it works. It's a functional tool. I'm trying to see what else I get out of it when I put myself through my my standard exercise of my day. And so 
like to that note, that's I'm curious to see. Like you said, it's become your everyday, and a lot of that's because if someone was holding two buds in their hand, and then the left is this uh, Roadrunner Cat's Meow that my very very good friend Tyler Blanks uh, works very hard on, um, and I get the get the the uh, privilege of getting to help him with that. That is the difference of of when it is done appropriately, when the appropriate understanding of the plant is taken, you can't discern the difference other than they smell different. Like they look and they are a, um, they are related to each other. It's simply in the, the difference of their makeup that provides that. It's why I believe CBD is, is a very strong component of, of potentially creating a new baseline. If you, if you have the ability to put something in you that is anti-inflammatory in nature and how we respond to it, and it, and it hasn't, you know, kind of, you know, I haven't perceived any really negative blowback for myself, you know, and it's kind of like, I, I, I'm just very careful with how I say it, but it's like, I feel fine. And, and a lot of that is because I know what it does for me when it works really well. So my, my goal is to hedge that bet and stay ahead of that as often as I can. Take, wake up and take tincture. Uh, middle of the day, what have you been doing? I'll take some more. You know, fresh out of the shower, muscle gel, back, muscle gel, legs, muscle gel, shoulders, uh, aloe, arms, you know, lotion, legs, things like that that, uh, you know, maybe getting right out of a bath with the soak. You know, how many of these things can you do in the same period of time? Because the goal is to feel as good as you can. And that's where, like, the flower becomes, like, for you, I imagine what, what kind of, uh, if, if you can agree, has it become a unique tool because of the, the this is what it does for me or this is what I get out of it? Yeah, I mean, so I use it um, as a, a sort of relaxer and as a, as a guy who, who likes uh, to, to smoke, period, and, and for whom – Smoking is a is a big part of my uh, daily uh, self care habit. I don't have the tolerance to, to just smoke high THC cannabis. Um, I, I I just it, it it I don't I don't it's not conducive to where I want to be on my day to day. Just sort of going about my life. So what I'll do is I will take I will you know pack a bowl or, or roll a joint that is ninety to ninety five percent. Uh, cats meow and then throw in a little bit of high THC to help the two, you know, really activate well together. And I get that buzz for maybe 10 minutes and it's gone. And then I'm just relaxed and I couldn't do that without the cats meow. That's, that's why it's my everyday companion. And, you know, and that's, and it's awesome. You, you get to play with it like that because the, the reality is you're playing with the ratios. Like these are, you know, the reason why, uh, THC, CBD, there is a discriminatory aspect that comes into play that my partner Bob has really helped me um, understand as well as like I putting the effort into the thought have really learned uh, kind of how it is expressed across, you know, the general, at least the general amount of people I encounter. And it's the perception that it's going to do something it's not is what really boxes people in. You know, and that's why I say, like, it has a far more palatable outcome to, let's say, our tincture. Like, the, the palatable feeling you'll get from this is more similar to this because the, the concentration of cannabinoids. This is high CBD, not high THC. Now, when you add, when you play with the, blend, the you know, blends, like, I, I tell everyone, try it by itself, see how you feel, and then blend it with whatever because you're basically playing with a ratio of these cannabinoids to each other. And as you know, like you've spoken the entourage effect, it's about finding where you want to put yourself. And that takes the effort of, of putting those things together, you know, building that routine with that sequence in place to generate that uh, ideal outcome. You know, you're never the same exact amount of high every time or, or what is perceived to be high High is relative. That shit is like, it's a it's a term I try and stay away from because most people's perception of watching me do something is I'm high. And the reality is, what do you need me to do to prove I'm not? Like, I don't know. I'm not impaired. So if you want to say high, there is a caveat. But otherwise, I think that's kind of the 
what I've learned about cannabis is, you know, high CBD cannabis is a far more palatable experience for everybody because it doesn't come with the overwhelming uh, mental uh, struggle that accompanies uh, the certain certain uh, you know concentrations of the cannabis spectrum. I don't I don't deal with them all the same way that you do as does anyone else, and that's. That's where, you know, understanding what this can be for a tool is way different than I got to go get my favorite strain because it does this to me um, and I can just escape. And it's not that you're, you're using it in those terms, but is this actually impairing you from what you should be doing or is it actually something you're using is, is the appropriate time? You know, that's, that's something that we all have to, have to play with because if there's something you could be doing – or should be doing, you know, that's two different things. There's something I could do, but if I'm allocating this time for me now, that's different than I need to, it needs to be done and I'm not doing it. And that's, that's what I've learned about cannabis is it's a very, uh, very powerful plant. And a lot of it is it's objectively doing what it's doing. You're able to pull from it what you can pull from it. And that's based on that experience. Like, this is how I use it because I know I have a more favorable outcome with my day when I don't overwhelm this part of my system. And that's what most people's experience with cannabis has not started on the high CBD side. You know, and that's, that's the interesting part of, of what I battle is fighting people who don't understand this isn't the same thing they had a bad experience with however or whenever that happened. And that's, that is a, a, you know, kind of the psychology aspect of like, I really want to help you. And it really takes a conversation of asking how you feel and you expressing this is what I've been dealing with, this, this. And that's and that's part of why, like, being able to put a lot of effort in with people I really ha um, have developed a great relationship with and love very dearly. We really want to help people feel better. And that's that's part of what has become tricky about my job is is. I just know you don't see it the way, uh, you know, it's like if I can just open your mind up to different, even if you don't use it today, if I can get you to understand how your thoughts are, you know, it's like the goal of taking a pill is to feel a certain way. You know, the fact is, like, if you want to feel a certain way, you have to express that way you're trying to feel before anyone could give you a decent suggestion of what to do. You know, like, and that's, that's just the, the interesting, uh, I don't know, selective nature at, at the pace people really try and help themselves. That's why it does take a good degree of patience, especially with a plant people, they know it. it's like baseball. I left something that everybody knows about and got into something everybody knows about. And that's the hard part of like expressing when your experiences internally in these things are different than the blanket experience of how most people interact with it of course it's not arguably going to be as close to that blanket thought as you know as as a more practical belief and that's that's the thing of baseball like you know like i said alluding to the person trying to help in the stands it's it's not everybody but there are people that genuinely believe like if they would have just listened to me and swung like this or i knew he was throwing a curveball why didn't you listen like uh, dude I, it was really nasty. I'm, I'm trying to hit every pitch. You know, the fact it's like, if you saw me get buckled in, a lot of guys would have got buckled in that shit. It's filthy. Like there are such things as video game pitches. And I remember standing in on some being like, Oh my God, I have no chance. Like if this is what the breaking ball looks like, I am fucked. And, and that's where I think like, like I said, the tools, the tools of even simply the tool of like, let me see a pitch. Let me just give myself some space. You know, like a strike. A strike's a tool if you're willing to fucking give one up to learn something about it. You know, same thing like if you're willing to try the flower, try the muscle gel. You now find this sequence of like, I just do this every day and this is how Jay feels. Well, I know we are short on time, so I will go ahead and, and sign off as, you know, this, again, this is Jay Schiffman. You can find me anywhere on social media and check out uh, the, the, the other main show on the network, which is called Choose Your Struggle. You can find it anywhere you get your podcast.
And uh, thank you again very much, Jay, for for taking the time. It's always greatly appreciated, and and you know a lot of it is to help really unfold that perspective. So as always, thank you very much for taking the time. Always happy to be here. Absolutely, and thank you, thank you everyone who took the time to listen. Thank you again for taking the time to listen. Corner of the Clubhouse is sponsored by Roadrunner CBD. Roadrunner CBD is a family-owned, high-quality, full-spectrum CBD wellness brand. Go to RoadrunnerCBD.com and start your CBD journey today.